Hey everybody, I'm Nick Davis. Welcome to Simply Not Easy, the podcast about simple action steps to improve the journey of your life as I work to improve the journey of my own. Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome back for Simply Not Easy. Hope everybody's having a fantastic day on this workout Wednesday. I know it's going to be a good one for me. Yesterday was a complete blast, like I talked about the other day, going to get to see my cousin and everything, and it was a ton of fun, her coming up from Rochester, getting to play against Ithaca, and just hanging out with her for a little while after. Um, Great seeing her again. She's a complete badass. She's got an appetite like me, which is kind of scary, actually. Um, But real, real tough girl, real athletic girl definitely would not want to mess with her she's one of the top in her uh in her sharp shooting class so yeah badass military chicks out there and yeah it's just been fantastic um had grandparents come up and visit too so always great catching up with them as well they drove out so that was a real real good time and yesterday in our lab for our neurology class we're in our last class right now for our neuro rehab and it's pretty cool our we're learning right now about um, stages of coma and kind of the eight may some people have eight classifications of it some people have ten but um, we use the common kind of eight classification of stages of consciousness of coming out of not necessarily Zen meditation and going into these other worlds and all that stuff but for if somebody was in a coma of then coming out in their return to consciousness and kind of what their brain is able to process and do in the different stages that they come out of it. So we've got a really good um, theater arts program in our school. So interesting collaboration. Our professors actually hired um, a certain number of theater students and basically trained them how to act for different stages of coming in and out of coma and in and out of different levels of consciousness. So that was a yesterday in lab but then we did that a little bit last week as well and let's just say that they did a fantastic job acting i don't know how these people do it um there's probably some science behind it but how you can control your own tears but faked a tear and that was real good um then you know yesterday was the practice in stage four out of eight which happens to be the confused and agitated stage and so again these are things that it's great to have practice with um before we actually get to a real patient working with them in that situation and you know that confused and agitated state of coma they're not necessarily malicious or trying to be out to get you by any means but they certainly don't have any of that kind of prefrontal cortex inhibition self-regulation self-control and they'll just say whatever the heck they want to say um, and it can be kind of vicious sometimes or be very impulsive. So that was kind of a fun experience, getting some good practice with that and as, press, as impressed as always with that theater arts program and the different things that they're training themselves to do and go under. But we're not here necessarily talking about comas or traumatic brain injury, even though it's fascinating stuff. We're here talking about Workout Wednesday. So for Workout Wednesday today, I want to go into just a little brief... Um, explanation of the differences between different styles of lifting and specifically talking about compound lifting versus isolated lifting versus accessory lifting and there is definitely some overlap between isolated and accessory lifting so before I go into it I just want you guys to think to yourself hey what the heck is this do I know what this is have I heard of this compound or isolated lifting before 
it probably doesn't take a genius to think about things for a while and figure out what isolated lifting might mean. But let's go into compound lifting first, because as I'm going to say later, this is going to be some of the first lifts that you want to hit during a workout. Compound lifts are typically multi-joint, multi-muscle type lifts. So there are big movements like our squats, like our deadlifts, like our bench press, even our overhead press, um, lunges, and all the variation cleans, um, so th and all the variation snatches and all that stuff. But all the variations between these movements too and you know you can easily name six different types of deadlifts sure but guess what they're all pretty much kind of a deadlift and yes we do clump these movements together because they have similar movement patterns and it's just an easy way of explaining kind of what it is and the primary function but the thing that all these have in common is you're using multiple joints at the same time as movements you're not just stabilizing the entire body and kicking the leg up and down to move just around the knee you know, for the squat, you're absolutely moving around the hip, around the knee, around the ankle, while keeping a stable, strong spine in that area. So it's absolutely a movement that produces a lot of force, a lot of demand on the body. And so the reason why I like compound movements is because it hits everything. And historically, these are movements that might be a little bit more, let's say, in the CrossFit type realm, where you're just going high intensity, getting after stuff. Um, could be with either high weight or high repetition high repetitions but those are movements that typically exist in that realm now we've got the other side of it we've got kind of the isolated work and the isolated work is kind of back and historically been with more of a bodybuilding focus and I'm not saying that there's not overlap but just historically where these movements have come from more and so the isolated work, typically bodybuilders in the 80s and 90s especially, but it's really focused on one joint at a time and primarily one muscle slash muscle group at a time. I'm not saying that you can truly isolate, you know, for your quads that kick that knee out. You can't really isolate them from each other in terms of like truly getting just one of those four quads alone. Like some people will try and do that for the VMO. There's kind of, there's poor evidence out there that you can actually get the VMO contracted more than another. But hey, sometimes even just thinking about it can get the mind going right. So, you know, I'm not saying don't try and do that, but I'm also saying that if it's not working the best for you, you might not want to waste your time trying to bias an exact certain angle all the time either. But anyways, these isolated movements are more one joint movement and one muscle group movement. So they might be like a elbow flexion and elbow extension for more of a tricep or bicep type activity. They might be a shoulder abduction for just like a horizontal lateral raise for the shoulder and different movements like that. Um, it might truly just be a gastroc exercise or a soleus exercise for the calves where you're pumping that ankle up and down trying to get it isolated and oh, there's a lot of deer oh, a nice family of deer pretty cute young deer i like deer they're fun um especially the young ones there you know they, they remind us of just getting out in nature playing around messing around and they're so freaking ambivious too and wow that's it's early morning if you guys can't tell it might have been a long night last night um but anyways deer are cool they're fun to watch around i just like nature i like animals um I also like not hitting them with my car when I'm driving into work in the morning, so other benefits. 
anyways, we're getting back to isolated lifts and how with isolated lifts, it's really locking in the rest of the body, keeping the rest of the body stabilized and just moving around that joint. So the benefits of this, what it's really, really good at is getting kind of all the pump, all the energy out of that muscle system. So with that one muscle group that you happen to be focusing on, you know you're getting it like shot. You know you're getting it like burnt out really good and getting a good burn. However, when you're doing a compound lift, that might not necessarily be true. Let's say for a squat, for example, you're using definitely some glutes, definitely some quads, a little bit of proximal hamstring. Um, let's say you're using the gastrox just a tiny bit to help with that push off for plantar flexion, for triple extension, but then a little bit of stabilization too from those, that tibialis anterior muscle we recently talked about and the dorsiflexion. Now, in terms of which muscles are going to get the most burn, in a squat, you should not get a huge fatiguing amount of burn in the gastrox. It shouldn't happen. So yes, you're working the muscle a little bit. Yes, it's active, but you're not doing it to that magnitude where it would be important to elicit a huge training stimulus. So, but let's say for the glutes and the quads, yeah, that might be enough. It might be enough for certain types of squats to say, oh yeah, my glutes are, they're, they're just done right now. Glutes and proximal hamstrings, toasted. Quads, eh, 80% toasted, you know? Um, so that's a kind of good way to go about it. But then for isolated, when you have every else, everything else in the body locked up and you can just get that movement, guess what? You're going to be able to hone in, focus in, and get that burnout because there's not a fatigue of any other muscle that you're comparing that to. And now let's get into accessory lifts. Accessory lifts are typically and often are isolated lifts as well. But the main difference are is that these muscles groups for the accessory group are ones that we often neglect more, and they're ones that we don't necessarily use in our workouts as much, but they're important for our health. Some of these might be, for example, like the glute meets, working on that for controlling the knee motion and to really help with getting this good, strong hip abduction. Another one might be external rotation of the shoulder to help with the rotator cuff. And there aren't a lot of lifts or movements where we're typically having a strong pull in that. And even when we are in a snatch or something like that, where you bring those, lock out the elbows and externally rotate those shoulders far overhead. When you are doing that, it's only for a short range throughout it. It's not throughout that entire range. And certainly in a snatch, the limiting factor and the fa muscles that's getting the most work is not going to be your rotator cuff. It's not going to be your infra spinatus or your teres minor it's going to be somewhere in the legs can promise you that so anyways this is kind of a quick overview of what these different exercise and movements are now in terms of having to choose for yourself well that's going to be up to you and your style preferences you know compound movements are great functionally isolated movements are really great for maximizing the strength and the power I like both. I really do. So what I'll typically do and what I recommend for my athletes who, or just people who are trying to get in better shape and they want to go about weightlifting training and stuff like that, just because you deadlift doesn't mean you have to deadlift 300 pounds. You can chill and deadlift 50 pounds to start. You can start real, real small with all this stuff. So I don't want this to be an intimidation factor for anybody out there. You don't necessarily, I'm not saying you have to go ahead and snatch or pull a great clean and jerk all the time. But I think it's important that you know how to do some kind of basic movement of a squat. 
So what I recommend, hit all your compound lifts first. Get all your compound lifts so that you do get some muscles really close to max fatigue, and you get others just working, warming up a bit. And then after those compound lifts that you do, go ahead and go into the isolated lifts. So that, and those can be isolated lifts with muscles that you've already used in the compound movement so that you can get your bang for your buck with them. Because if the goal for the isolated workout is to kind of crank everything out you can, it would be much more efficient and even better if you already got that muscle to its tired point. So you get that muscle to its tired point, uh, then you crank it out, uh, then you get that good, strong, solid burn where you've already got benefit from the compound functional movement. So hit the compound functional movement first, then get the isolated workout. Uh, then after that, hit the accessory work for a little bit. Hit the stuff to make sure that you're healthy, you're well-rounded, the muscles are all balanced out. All right, everybody, have fun, get after it, and remember, from last episode, try that nutrition fitness challenge, the nutrition nutrition health challenge that we talked about, about the three days and the second three days. And I think it's definitely worth it. I think it's definitely a good, easy way to kind of help a strategy change and a different way of thinking about nutrition and food so that you don't have to necessarily be all into the geeky science about it. You just, hey, it looks good. Sweet. I'm going to eat it. All right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this great episode. It was a absolute blast on my end. Really enjoyed it. I was struggling a little bit this morning. The words weren't as clear as they always are. I'm not saying I'm perfect by any way, shape, or form. But, hey, we're human. We're getting up. We're doing this thing every single freaking day. Simply not easy.